I'll probably lose friends over this one, but I'm gonna do it anyway. So, general history of abortion in America. I don't know a lot specifically. I haven't researched this. Abortion is not something that I feel that I want to know more about just because of my stance on it. But I do know that Planned Parenthood was originally started um, by a eugenicist to kill black babies. Like that was, that was what it was for. And it, it, even today, most of the Planned Parenthoods are in predominantly minority neighborhoods. So I just, you know, wondering how, how well that has uh, carried over from the, from the start. It kind of transitioned from abortion as something that was, was done because a woman got, and you know what, it, it is still, a woman got pregnant out of wedlock. She got, she had a baby when she, uh, when it was inconvenient for whatever reason. Um, and a lot of that's on men, but it's not all on men. It takes two to tango. We're, we're not talking about uh, the exceptions here. We're talking about the norm. So Roe v. Wade, because this is a big thing right now. So we're going to get into a little bit of detail on Roe v. Wade. What did it do? Did Roe v. Wade make abortion legal? No, it did not. What Roe v. Wade did was it gave the federal government the ability to regulate abortion at a federal level. So it, it, it just took the power away from the states and gave it to the federal government. So when Roe v. Wade was overturned, it did not make abortion illegal. It just turned the regulation of abortion back over to the states, many of which had laws in place that as soon as Roe v. Wade was, was overturned, that it flipped their, their state laws to make it so that abortion was illegal. But that's up to the states, that they have every right to do that. And if you don't want to live in a state where abortion is illegal, go to a different state where abortion is legal. Elon Musk has offered any woman who wants an abortion in and in, who lives in a state where it's not legal, he's offered to fly you to a state where it's legal. This is actually a really big win. Maybe not for the uh, pro-abortionists, but it's a really big win for the states because now the states have that power back and it never should have been taken away from them. And hopefully that will lead to a lot of other um, regulations that were taken away from the states being returned also so the states can decide what they wanna do with that stuff. But, you know, let's get down to the meat and potatoes of this. We're talking about pro-life versus pro-choice, okay? Um, the fundamental, the fun, there are fundamental arguments, like basic moral ideologies that are involved in the whole pro-life, pro-choice thing that pro-lifers and pro-choicers are never going to agree on. You have um, the pro-lifers who say that life begins at conception, but the pro-choicers are going to say life begins at birth. And the reason why life begins at conception is because God made all life. And the reason why life begins at birth is because now it's a baby, I guess. I don't know. You're never going to convince a pro-choicer based off of religious ideology if that pro-choicer doesn't believe what you believe. I mean, that's like the entire idea is predicated upon the fact that you have the same beliefs and that's just not the case. You know, what is moral to one person is not necessarily morality to another person. And so you can't base your arguments on morality because who's morality? 
it, it's subjective. Another one is um, babies are their, have their own autonomous bodies in the womb versus my body, my choice. You'll never convince a pro-choicer that that baby inside of them is not a part of their body. It's just not, they're, they're not going to believe it. It's it, They have to carry it, they nourish it, all of that stuff, so it, it's part of their body, their body, their choice. And again, life is a gift from God versus nobody can tell me how to live my life. You, it's Those things just aren't going to change. Um, you know, the, the thou shalt not commit murder versus ba you know, the fetus in the womb is not human life. It, those aren't going to change. So you can't use faith-based arguments to, to push the pro-life agenda because people on the other side don't have that same level that don't have that same morality they if they don't believe in god then god's not going to change their mind and no matter how loud you scream they're not going to they they're just going to ignore you so it's just it's just not going to work but what happens if faith-based morality is removed from the argument does the whole pro-life thing fall apart and the whole pro-choice thing becomes dominant does is that does that work if more if religious-based morality is removed. There are legal precedents that predate Roe v. Wade that say that if two people engage in an action knowing the outcome of that action and they're both consenting, they're both legal, then they're legally obligated to see that through. That was written for business contract law, but I think that applies in this case too. If you have two consenting people who know how babies are made, who know that no birth control is 100% accurate, who engage in intercourse anyway, then a baby is a potential result and that could fall under their contractual obligation to make sure that that child has the right to live their life positively, whether that means that the parents get married and raise the kid together, whether that means one parent raises the kid and the other one contributes or doesn't contribute, whatever the case, or if the baby is put up for adoption. How do we define life when morality, when, when religious morality is pulled out of it? I did this actually in one of my classes when I was teaching comms, and not comms, <laughs> when I was teaching uh, composition. One, um, we were in our argument unit and it, it got heated that day. Like, it, like I thought there was going to be blood on the floor kind of heated that day. And I, rem I remember that I was like, okay, we're, we're stopping this right now because in my classroom, you are allowed to express your opinions as long as you do so respectfully. And it was starting to get well beyond the point of respectful dissent. So we, we, I, I separated everybody and I said, we're going to define life. We are going to sit here and we are, going to, we are going to define human life and we are not leaving this classroom until we come to a definition that everybody can agree on. So the first thing I said is we have to get religion off the table. We have to, we have to because it'll never be an equal playing field. Nobody will ever be able to agree on anything if religious morality is included. So I said we have to get, we have to remove religious morality from the table. So then we talked about different aspects, like different legal cases that had been, that had come forth. And one of them was Lacey Peterson and her son. Lacey Peterson was murdered by her husband in California in 2004, 
I think. And uh, she and the baby were both killed, and they were disposed of, and the husband was um, charged with first-degree murder of his wife and second-degree murder of his child because I think what it was decided was that he had killed Lacey and then the death of the baby was just like a... Like, he didn't go in intending to kill the baby, but by killing the mother, he killed the baby, too. So then I said, okay, well, in 2014, maybe, 15, there was a woman who answered a Facebook ad for for somebody who was selling baby clothes. And she went to the house to to buy the clothes, and the woman... Uh, who was selling the clothes, turns out, so she she, gra- she took the, the pregnant woman who was about seven months pregnant into her house, cut the baby out of her womb. The mother lived and the baby died. And, the, and it was, then they had, the courts had to decide how they were going to rule it. Were they going to rule it as a homicide or were they going to rule it as attempted homicide? Because does the baby matter? Does the baby not matter? Now, this was after Lacey Peterson, and there was there were there are laws um, in California. I don't know. I think this took place in like Colorado or something. I don't know if it was a federal law that was put in place, but I think it was acts of violence against a fetus. But there was still the debate: is would this be considered murder or would it not be considered murder? And my class, so I posed this to my class, and they also had a hard time with it. Was this considered murder or was it not considered murder? And ultimately, they decided that yet, uh, that it wasn't considered murder because the baby wasn't born yet. And I said, okay. So then we, we talked about the girl in oh, uh, Omaha, this had just happened, where a girl gave birth in her bathtub, and she freaked out and... Um, footballed the baby out the window and the baby died and they said oh my gosh that's horrible that's obviously infanticide and the woman justifiably went to prison I said okay well what about the law in New York that had just been passed that was the up until birth abortion law where up until birth the baby can be aborted whether it's nine months old or nine weeks old and that got them thinking What's the difference? And it's a well, you know, it's born versus not born. Um, and and I, I was like, but you know, if she had been in New York as opposed to Omaha, had gone to Planned Parenthood as opposed to giving birth in her bathtub, that baby would still be dead. What's the difference? And so they really had to think about it. And we went back and forth a, a, a while, and and. Um, It was talked about, you know, well, while the baby is in the womb, it's entirely dependent upon the mother. If if something were to happen to the mother, then the baby would die. So, So if it's in the womb, it's a part of the mother and the mother has control over it. So I talked about a woman who had a three year old who she just couldn't handle it anymore. She couldn't handle being a mother anymore. She couldn't, she couldn't take it. This child was just driving her crazy. And uh, her original plan was to just leave it alone and let let the child fend for itself. Well, it couldn't. It was three. He was three. And so he was he was bothering her. And so she put the, the kid in the oven and she turned it on. And the kid died. We got down to a definition of human life that everybody could agree on and nobody could accept. Because the definition that we came down to is that life begins when the mother wants it. Which means, if that's true, 
then as long as that life is dependent upon the mother for life, she has every right to end it whenever she wants to. Whether that's putting your three-year-old into an oven or drowning your eight-year-old in the bathtub or smothering your adult special needs child in its sleep. And that's horrible. It's absolutely horrendous. But that's the only definition of life without morality that we could agree, that we could agree on. And everybody hated it. They were all trying to change to say, well, but what, but, 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 but. There really is no way to define life without morality. Because without that, without morality, without a, a common ground on what is and isn't okay, then what is and isn't okay is entirely dependent on the masses. And if, if the masses tomorrow were to say that, you know what is a good, a good definition of morality? The purge. Once a year, you can do whatever you want for a day and it has no backlash on you whatsoever. And we'll just all live in the purge movies that because that works out you know really well for them it's an awful conclusion and i i haven't met anybody yet who has been able to say with utter conviction that yes that is absolutely right that is absolutely the definition of life because it's just horrifying so when you look at it from this angle the whole argument of my body my choice which is the main argument that the the pro-choicers fall back on is really actually my life is more important than this life the life that i have that i've made that i'm that i'm in the midst of is more important than this life which is going to cause me problems so moving forward with that logic we're going to have to define choice choice is a decision that you make knowing that there are going to be consequences if and like I said before, if two legal adults, we're not talking about rape, incest, and life of the mother, okay? If two legal adults engage in sexual intercourse, knowing how babies are made and that no birth control is 100% accurate, then abortion's not a choice. You already made the choice to have sex. The baby that results from that is not an accident. You engage in an act and then the, the consequence comes about and people are surprised. Like, oh my gosh, that's how babies are made? And with the amount of sex education that is being shoved down our kids' throats at a younger and younger age, you really have no foot, or you really have no leg to stand on when you, if you say you don't know how babies come about. I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous. The choice comes down then to not uh, kill the baby or keep the baby. The choice is to have sex or to not have sex. If you don't want a baby, the only way to be 100% sure that you're not going to get pregnant or get somebody else pregnant is to not have sex. That's just the way that is. If you're not ready for a baby in your life, don't have sex. People come unglued when I say this. Like, don't tell me how to live my life. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just telling you that your avoidance of responsibility does not equate to moral superiority, okay? You can't claim the moral high ground because you made a choice that had a consequence, okay? Pro-choice has absolutely nothing to do with babies. Pro-choice is 
is if you're really pro-choice, then that means that you're willing to take responsibility for the consequences of your actions. And if that means raising a baby or finding somebody who will love it and raise it, then that's what you have to do because that's being responsible. And if you don't want to do that, then you're not pro-choice. You're anti-consequence. And that's just the way that it is. So the elephant in the room. I already mentioned that I wasn't before, before I wasn't talking about rape, incest, and life of the mother. Well, now we are. So the percentage of abortions that take place because of one of these three things are ridiculously small in comparison to abortion on demand, no apologies. You can't say that that's the reason why you support pro, the, the pro-abortion movement because there really aren't that many cases. Yes, it happens. It exists. It's horrible. But for the most part, it's just women and men who don't want to take responsibility. They're anti-consequence. We don't make rules based on exceptions. We make exceptions based on rules. My thoughts in regards to these three exceptions is that, yes, there does need to be an exception built in for these cases. But instead of giving abortion to everybody and having the government pay for it, and see, that's my big thing right there. I am absolutely pro-life. I am absolutely anti-abortion. But if you're going to go get an abortion, that's on you. Don't make me pay for it. It's not my problem. You're the one that made that, that choice that led to that consequence. Don't push that off on me. That is not my deal. That is not my problem. I, and actually, though, I will take, I, I would be more than happy to, to take the baby and raise that baby and love and adore it. Although, uh, recently, it's become a thing that when you have uh, couples who are on, uh, been taking pictures that, with signs that say, don't abort, we'll adopt, and then they're like being called evil people because they want to traffic in babies. I guess. I don't, I don't know if you, you want to be a parent and you'd love and adore it. I guess that makes you an evil person. I don't Whatever. If that is, in fact, the case, and we have the law laid out and we have these exceptions for the rules, then it needs to be treated like a med medical procedure because it is a medical procedure. In a lot of these cases, these women are not getting the preparatory care or the aftercare that they need when they go in and have these procedures done. You are getting a baby cut out of you. It's going to leave trauma, if not physical, then mental. It's not, it's, it, it needs to be handled like we would handle anything else. I can't just walk into a, a doctor's office and say, hey, I need my tonsils taken out. So we're just gonna do that right now. And then I'm gonna go home. It, it, you, you, that's not how that works. If you need an abortion, then you should have to go to your doctor or your psychologist or whatever, get a referral to a specialist. And then that specialist will walk you through the process, will, will make sure that you are getting the, the preparatory treatment and the aftercare that you need to make sure that it is safe, to make sure that you are taken care of, to make sure that the mental backlash that you're going to get from it, and you are. It, it, it doesn't matter how pro-choice or how pro-choice you are, there's going to be mental backlash at some point. They'll make sure that it's, it's mitigated as much as possible. And if we're doing that, 
then that takes care of the exceptions. They're getting the help that they need, the care that they need. They're getting the medical procedure that they need to have done. And now it's no longer an excuse. It's, it's no longer a weapon to be used to be frivolous with your sex life. And really that's, that's what it comes down to is people just wanna be able to have sex whenever and with whomever without any consequences. And that's just, you're going to have to deal with the consequences, whatever they are. So another argument is the whole foster care argument. And I absolutely hate this argument because the entire basis of this argument is if abortion wasn't a, wasn't ma available to the masses, there would be more kids in foster care. And that's just horrible to say that all of those children in foster care should have been ab aborted. I mean, really? But setting that aside, most of the kids who are in foster care are welfare babies. And I don't mean that they were raised on welfare. I mean that they were born for welfare because the more kids that you have on welfare, the more welfare funds that you get. And a lot of times these, these people who have these kids to increase their welfare benefits don't care about those kids. They're just there for money. And so the kids are neglected or they're abused or they're whatever. And CPS steps in and takes the kids away. The kids go into foster care. And those aren't the kids who are going to be aborted. And the idea, the, the audacity of saying that if, uh, if abortion were more readily available, we would have fewer kids in foster care. That's just ridiculous. And it's kind of, it's not even kind of, that's just straight up disgusting. You get people who are all up in arms because, um, oh, well, you don't, you, you care about the, the fetus, but you don't care about the kid. Well, no, foster care needs to be reformed for real. There, there are serious problems with foster care. One of them is the whole adoption process. And, and the, the, cause you have, have families who are in good positions who would be more than happy to adopt children who, who won't go into the foster care program because they don't want to fall in love with a kid that they can't keep because the primary goal of foster care is reunion with families, which is great if that reunion is going to be of benefit to both the parents and the children. But in a lot of cases, these children who are reunited with their parents just go back to their same abusive, neglected existence. What really needs to be reformed is the adoption policy because it should not be harder to adopt a baby than to abort one. It just shouldn't. Anybody off the street can get pregnant and have a baby, but people who are financially stable, who love kids, who want these children, can't have them. They're treated like criminals. The, the government comes into their home and inspects every inch of it. And if even one thing is out of place, then sorry, you, you're done. To me, it's criminal. Now, I will be the first to admit that I am not an expert in, in the foster care system. I'm not an expert on adoption. I'm not an expert psychologist. I'm not an expert in any of this. But there are people out there who are, who have genuine answers. And just because it will be harder to make the change than to keep the status quo, doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to make the change. 
that we shouldn't try to give these kids who are born a better life and that we shouldn't try to give these kids who aren't you don't don't have the chance to be born the chance of life so if you really truly are pro-choice then make the hard choice and the hard choice is to not have sex or to take responsibility and if you can't do that then you're not pro-choice you're anti-consequence <laughs>